Welcome to Ex Libris On Air and the stories behind the stories of today's literature and their authors. Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is The Wish Flower Princess. Not a wildflower, it's a wish flower. My author who joins me from near San Francisco, California, is Kathy Califatis. Thank you for joining me today, Kathy. Oh, it's my pleasure. Your book is very colorful. The illustrations, and from looking at your bio, you have some art in your background. Did you do the illustrations in your book, which is, uh, by the way, a children's book primarily? Yes, um, I did all the concept uh, illustrations, but the final uh, illustrations were actually done by a professional illustrator. Well, fabulous. Your book is uh, a short read, obviously, because it's directed toward children, about 40 pages. Not unusual to have a a relatively um, brief read and storyline. Yours is uh, diverse in many ways. Uh, Share a little of your background and uh, how this book got to be written. Well, I've always been a storyteller. Um, At least the the people in my family and friends that have known me all my life would say I'm always telling a story. So. It came pretty natural for me to, um, when I had my children, to want to create a story for them that would be personal to them, and uh, that's how the Wishflower Princess was born. Um, we spent a lot of time, you know, when they were younger in the bathtubs, and uh, I would tell them stories that um, I would just make up on the fly. It was sparked from a poem I had written um, in tribute to my father. He was killed in a very tragic motorcycle accident when I was just seven. So it's a poem that's always been very special to me, and I incorporated the idea behind the poem into the story for the kids in coping with difficult situations and difficult times and then knowing that your hope is always there. And so the wish flower itself symbolizes that as the seeds are floating in the air, they're carrying your dreams, they're carrying your hopes with it. And so Um, The idea that that's always there for you um, is some comfort to people that um, are struggling. Uh, Definitely needed in our current economy and our current uh, status in the United States and really around the world with a a serious virus that has taken over. This interview will air for an extended period of time, so hopefully by the time that someone listens to it, it will have been in remission and uh, we'll have better days ahead. You are also a, a person who propagates I would say, positive energy or positive ideas in your personal work as well. Yes. So I, in addition to writing, I love to paint, and I love working with energy. Um, So I do have a women's group called the ALS Group, um, which stands for Offering Women Loving Support. And in that group, I, um, I try to help through energy meditation techniques, to uh, create empathic paintings. I call them intention paintings. And they're personal to each person. Um, In creating them, um, it's their energy on canvas, so to speak. The main characters in the whatever it was I said at the beginning. It's actually the Wish Flower Princess. See, I did it again. It's Wish Flower (laughs) Princess. Well, that'll make it very memorable to the the audience, hopefully. Wish Flower. Where did that name come from? How did it uh, come about? Well, since I was a little girl, I always thought dandelions, when they turned, uh, when their seeds turned and, and started to blow away, I, I would wish on them. So I always called them a wish flower mm. um, because I thought that's what they were for. <laughs> well, that's, that's a good um, enough reason so, for me. It's Princess Alexa, correct? Your main character? Yeah, Princess Alexa. Alexa is actually my daughter. She's, she's now a grown adult. She's 19 years old. Mm. Uh, but at the time that I wrote this story, she was only three. Wow. And how long did it take to to put this into print or get it into writing where you were happy with the storyline? 
Well, the writing of the storyline happened um, literally within a couple of days. Um, and once it starts to flow, it really flows. Um, I did make some slight adjustments to it since I'd written it so long back. I did update it just a little bit, but it didn't take long at all. The artwork and bringing that part of it, the imagery to life, was really what took time. That took about six months of development. And is this your first book that's published? This is my first book that I've published, yes. But I do have a, a plans for the next book already, um, which I can share with you now. It's going to be called The Wonders of Heavenly Fire, and it is uh, a, a sequel to, to The Wishflower Princess. So I'm excited about that, and that should be ready within the next six months. As in most children's novels or stories, there's a good and bad, evil and good. Uh, I'm presuming, at least from a superficial observation, that the uh, good triumphs over evil in your book. Yes, uh, of course. Uh, I think humanity at large and our human spirit, we always want to believe that good triumphs over evil. Um, and I believe it does. And so I, I think that is a underlying theme of the story, is that if you... Um, if you have enough hope and faith in your ability, you can overcome any obstacle. And I think it's really important for our youth um, to get that message, especially now with, you know, a lot of the, uh, the devastating depression and things that we've been seeing in our youth that would really benefit from understanding how to cope and learn that skill uh, at a much younger age. I think that's great advice. Now, your your primary character, the wish flower princess Alexa, she also has, uh, does she have allergies? How would you describe uh, her abilities to project and, and give hope to people, plus uh, maybe some other things related to that uh, that allergic reaction, perhaps, is the way to describe it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think I just thought it was kind of funny that um, that a princess who was giving uh, giving hope through blowing on the wildflowers would then all of a sudden develop a, an allergy to it and, and start sneezing it away. Hmm. I thought the children would find that amusing and, and maybe a little funny. Um, but then also on a deeper level, um, I realized that, you know, hope or, or lack of hope can sometimes feel like you're fighting something, you know, almost like an overreaction of your immune system would be fighting off something. And so I don't want children to be afraid to hope because they're afraid to get hurt. And so I just thought it would make Alexa feel more like a real person who had something that wasn't perfect. You know, a lot of times people look at princesses as being perfect, um, and I just thought this would give her a more human quality. I think that's a great a great addition, a great idea. Your, your story itself uh, is uh, set in mythical times. Uh, there are castles and uh, Characters uh, such as a tortoise that that is a talking tortoise, uh, among other things. Now, the, in introducing this to someone that discovers that you have actually written a book, how would you describe it to them? Well, um, I would describe it to them as a fantastical book um, that you know could be futuristic or could be um, you know back in, in medieval times, just because of the way the characters are portrayed. But the idea that um, that the book is a dreamer's book, a book where anything's possible, um, where you could have a tortoise that could also be your, you know, your best friend, could be a hero. And so I just wanted it to be a little bit different from what you might expect. And I don't think many people would expect a tortoise um, to be the, the steed for a knight <laughs> in shining armor. <laughs> and the bubble bridge, where did that come from? 
The Bubble Bridge actually came from a painting. I did an intention painting for the Wishflower book cover, and I just thought it would be really interesting if the only way to get connected from land to the caves was something that floated, much like the Wishflower, um, when you blow the sprays uh, of the seeds go into the air and they float. And so the first thing that popped into my head was bubbles. They're light as air and they float. And the idea of trying to cross that to get to the next uh, next place you're trying to get um, just seemed like a, a, a difficult but fun way to do that. Is there any phrase or word that would describe your main characters? How would you describe them in a word or two? Well, I think that um, Alexa would be someone who embodies the spirit of hope in all of us. So I would say she is hopeful or hope itself. Um, I think Chris the Knight... Um, is the courage that we all um, hope to have and that we would respond to in times of um, peril, that we would look to ourselves to be strong and courageous. So I think he's got courage. And, um, you know, the other characters, uh, such as uh, Lady Kayla, um, she's the more humanistic um, part of the story, where the feelings and the connection between mother and child and uh, the worries that we have um, I felt, you know, that those characters captured that. Beautiful. So I think there's a little bit of everything. Do you plan to use these same characters in the follow-up books, or is there a complete different direction that you you will be taking? Well, the next book that I've already written um, has a connection to the Wishflower Princess, but all the other characters are new. Then I think that um, as I develop the series out, there will always be a connection to a previous book but I'm not sure yet how involved all of the characters would be. Have you received any feedback yet as far as uh, individuals reading it, moms, dads, uh, maybe grandparents, children? What has been the reaction at this point? Yeah, actually, the the reaction has been um, wonderful and surprisingly, well, I don't know, it, it's such a great feeling to see that you've touched a little soul. And a lot of the kids that have read the book have then immediately wanted to go out and make their own wish, which was my hope for the book. But I'm getting a lot of parents sending me photos of their children blowing on wish flowers in their garden. Mm. And it just fills my heart um, because it's exactly what I wanted uh, when I wrote this book was the exploration and the connection that the children would have with uh, with nature. You've uh, included something in the book that is not often found in children's books because they sometimes are nervous, terrified, scared of these little insects. That would be bees. Explain why you included those and what the importance is. Well, um, growing up, I was terrified of bees. And um, and I think that as I got older, um, I started to realize the importance that of the role that they play in our lives. And um, I was starting to think back, how could I help my kids overcome their fear of bees? Because uh, they are such a life-sustaining, um, important uh, insect that we really need to be supporting. And uh, I just thought if I incorporated it into a kid's book and they saw that the Wishflower Princess wasn't afraid of bees, that maybe it would take away some of that stigma that a lot of children um, probably develop, many from the, from their parents. 
<laughs> oh, that's beautiful. The book itself, were there challenges that, besides the artwork, I'm sure that was a challenge. Anything else that was a challenge in getting this uh, to publication where you were happy with it? A lot of creative people want to go back and correct things and redo, and I, I, I'm one of those people, so I'm, I'm curious whether mm-hmm. you had that same problem. Well, I'm a doer mostly, so um, I try not to get hung up on too many things. Um, I conceptualize, and if I can reach that conceptualization, um, I can usually be happy with it and move forward. Um, So I'm not so much into details. That's not really my, um, my thing. I'm really more of a conceptualizer. So this book felt like, um, like it wanted like I wanted it to feel and so I was happy with it I didn't have to spend too much time on the details congratulations this again is the first in what will be hopefully many books in the future the title of this one is The Wish Flower Princess my guest author Kathy that's K-A-T-H-I-E if you're doing a search last name Califatis which is K-A-L-A-F-A-T-I-S Califatis and Kathy my listeners uh, will want to get a copy of this or find out more how do they do so? Well it's available on many of the main book sites um, it's uh, of course available through the publisher Ex Libris at exlibris.com um, it's also available on Amazon Barnes and Nobles Google Books and many of the other major uh, online bookstores. Have you completed a website yet, or is that underway? Yes, I do have a website. It is thewishflowerprincess.com, and you can purchase the book through the website as well, and uh, you can get a sneak peek at the book uh, if you want to take a look at that. Fabulous. And uh, congratulations again on sharing this story, The Wish Flower Princess, which we feel will be a first in multiple stories to come. The title of the book again the Wish Flower Princess. Thank you, Kathy, for joining me today. Thank you, Jay, for having me. My pleasure for Ex Libris On Air. This is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Congratulations on getting your book published. The effort you put into your work is truly commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? Here at Toginet Radio, we can provide you a platform to keep your knowledge working for you through the power of podcasts. The subjects our podcasts cover are as varied as the grains of sand on a beach. From life coaching, to military resources, to business success, even to the paranormal. We have a place for everyone. To get started on your next step, call Scott at 903-787-5880 or email him at scott at toginetradio.com that's s-c-o-t-t at t-o-g-i-n-e-t r-a-d-i-o dot com Welcome back to Ex Libris for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is To Slip the Surly Bonds of Earth About the Breaking of Day, and it's called Book One. Just to give you a little bit of background into my author, Hugh Cameron, he is an orthopedic surgeon, well known as one of the original designers of artificial joints, 
and for more than 30 years crisscrossed the world teaching his new technology. Uh, he lives in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, which is a nice town, pretty good size as well. You've written textbooks on surgery and more than 200 scientific articles. This is a venture into uh, fiction and his first novel. Welcome, Dr. Cameron. Thank you. Your book is uh, is interesting on a couple of levels. First of all, it is, uh, I would say, future tense, perhaps. Uh, it does deal with uh, populating Mars. Is that Am I getting that correctly? Yes, well, the basic concept is that it looks as if the Western civilization as such is coming to an end, you know, like the fall of Rome or the fall of Byzantium. Yes. And and what preserved Europe through the uh, knowledge through the Dark Ages was the monasteries. I mean, they served as as, as places where, where knowledge was actually retained. And if the world falls apart, you've got a question, where would knowledge be retained nowadays? Because if the war or whatever it is goes nuclear, or, or you look at the COVID virus, if it goes biological, mm-hmm. uh, then the, there would be no safe places on Earth. So the only safe place is likely to be colonies in the Moon or Mars. So that was my basic concept, that we were looking to build essentially monasteries, not really monasteries, um, places where knowledge could be retained. Absolutely a great and thoughtful idea. Did you always desire to be a novelist in uh, fiction, or is this something new that has captured your your attention? It's something new. I always wrote, but I mean, I wrote technical books, but I wrote those on demand, and those were technical books. You know, that's easy. Um, This was the first time I tried a novel, and it, it was surprising. All the cliches I'd heard about it came true. I mean, I, I set off to do one thing, and then the characters wrote themselves and changed it around completely. Wow. So it was it was a very interesting experience. Uh, some of my authors, uh, I usually ask them questions such as, uh, how, did the, how did the characters develop uh, themselves, or did you have an outline? I guess I would ask the same thing of you. Uh, uh, because of your, I would call it scientific or, or medical background, did you work from uh, uh, an outline of where you wanted to go with characters, or was this something that just flowed from you uh, from a creative standpoint? Well, no, I started off with an outline, you know, much the same the way Anne Rand did it. But Anne Rand always stuck to her outline. In this case, the, the, the characters went ways which I didn't think they would. And characters which I thought would be minor characters turned out to be major. I mean, I started off with the basic concept of the character would be Elon Musk. But but he ended up being secondary to a bunch of women, which truly surprised me. Uh-huh. I'm surprised, for sure. Uh, The 256 pages, uh, did it take a long time to develop the story where you were comfortable with sharing it with the world? Well, yeah, I mean, I I wrote it fairly quickly. But uh, like everything else, I mean, I write scientific articles so that you rewrite those about five or ten times. So I certainly would have rewritten this about three or four times. And what time frame does it take place? Oh, this is in the immediate future. Um, Ah. I mean, Europe's obviously crumbling, and um, I didn't foresee the, this coronavirus thing, but one can see if it was just a little. I mean, you're looking maybe a 1% to 2% mortality rate with this one, but mm. if, it, if it a 5 or 10% mortality rate with this coronavirus, it really would wipe out civilization. Mm. Um, so so the, the setting was, was as of right now. It actually begins about 20, 30 years ago, but then it builds up to what's currently happening. Mm. Um, because, I mean, you can see that, that, that Europe is on the way downhill. 
I mean, um, the countries and most countries in the southern Europe are bankrupt. Um, the number of patents being issued is going down exponentially, and everything's everyone is drowning in a sea of debt. So, uh, I mean, it's almost a giant Ponzi scheme. And so, how long can a Ponzi scheme last? I mean, that's the that's the question. Now, the Ponzi scheme in Rome lasted for 400 years after it became a Ponzi scheme. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to fall apart immediately. Yes. But, um, but you know, it's on the way. And Luxembourg is one of the European cities that you highlight in uh, the first few chapters. Obviously, because of your extensive travel, that may have been one of your stops. Is it a, a city that is key to this novel, or is it just a stopping-off place for my characters? No, the, no, Luxembourg was purely taxation. Um, I needed a low-tax country in in the Western world, and you know you can't. There are low-tax places, but they're they're the Far East, you know, like uh, Singapore or or Hong Kong or some of the Caribbean islands, and you couldn't base anything off that. So Luxembourg is the only sort of low-tax country in Europe. Hmm. So it had to be that. Didn't yeah, have a choice. forced into it. There are no imaginary towns in your book. Then the characters their names are unique how did those come about but they're all people i sort of know hmm. you know that they're they're based roughly on on some i mean i knew a manong from india you know but she wasn't indian she was persian and um you know it's that i don't think you can imagine something out of nothing so that they're all sort of based roughly i mean very roughly on 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 people i i did know kiretsu i think it is Oh, oh, the Karetsu. No, the, those are the, it, that's a, uh, a Japanese business organization. Oh. And they call them Karetsu in Japan. You know, like like um, Toyota's a Karetsu. I see. It's a, it's a combination of a whole bunches of businesses all wrapped up together, a big conglomerate. It's like Samsung is the same, but that's in Korea they're called Chai Bowls. Oh, my. I'm bound to learn something then. Well, I spent a lot of time in Japan and <laughs> Korea. I liked it very much. <laughs> Did you also include a great deal of action in this uh, in this novel, or is it more character driven? It's more character driven. I mean, there, there had to be action uh, because the the principal character's got to make money somehow. So the way I got to make money was by fighting, because that's the you know that's a very obvious way of doing it. I mean, there's a few people make money, young people make money out of the stock market, but I mean, there's only a few Elon Musks in the, in the world. I mean, there's not that many of them. Right. Uh, so that that would be such a highly improbable way of doing it that I thought that, that uh, fighting was an easier way. So and that gives some sort of violence. Um, but the violence sort of peters out fairly quickly. And, and But there's, there, there is always some violence because Europe now is full of terrorists. So there's continuous terrorist activities. And it's not just in Europe. I mean, it's here in Canada as well. Right. Uh, and in the U.S., I mean, you look at the, the, the thing in Florida and Pamela Geller's thing in Texas, which would have to be close to you. Yes. Yeah, abs- absolutely. I don't think there's a safe spot in the universe at this moment, other than maybe what you described going to Mars, and that may take a little bit of coinage I don't have. Uh, well, well, that's right. And, 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 I mean, those are real. I mean, everyone absolutely. knows that, that, those, that terrorism or that constant low-level violence is a fact of life. So it's, it's not something that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, it, it happens. Your book, because it is sort of in the science fiction realm, uh, would you consider this a book that female audience would also enjoy reading? Well, 
because most of the main characters are female, uh, and basically it is a long-standing love story. Um, you know that, that, and I would think the the women have actually the people I know who have bought the book so far have mostly been women, and and I think that. I mean, it used to be action with a purely male genre and whatnot, but I, I think that's sort of disappearing. I mean, you look at there's there's women in mixed martial arts, and you know there's women in the military now. There's a lot of fighting women about, uh, so that uh, a little blood and gore I don't think turns them off <laughs> in the same way it would have you know, 30, 40 years ago. <laughs> this is true. This is true, and some of us are mar- no, we're not married to people who are violent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I digress, and my wife will never hear this, I hope. Your character name, one of them is uh, Menon, I believe is the pronunciation. Oh, oh very much so. She remains throughout the, the first three books mm. because, because she's the, the basic one who makes the money. I needed someone who was a businesswoman, and I thought the guy would do it initially, but then I thought, yeah, it's better off not having him do everything because that would be kind of silly. So, so, so she is the main one of the main, possibly the main driving character in terms of building a business empire so that she can use the money from the business empire to fund this whole concept of the Prometheus group to, to, to get uh, the human race in, into space and to form colonies on Mars. Uh, just the number of cities mentioned in your novel, uh, there's certainly a plethora, a lot of uh, choices, a lot of places. Is there a residence for your main character, a city or a country? Yes, they start off in Luxembourg. Okay. Um, and then, but, I mean, you can see if you're going to do launching, it's going to have to be, you know, launch into space. Right. Uh, it's going to have to be America. And, again, the terrorism in Europe is getting to such an extent. I mean, it's only a matter of time before they attack some of the nuclear power stations. And mm. I, it wasn't this book, but the next book is the, the attack in France, and that's because that's going to happen. Wow. Um, so the, the whole group has to is sort of forced to leave uh, Luxembourg uh, and and move to America. And then I looked, where would you buy a real estate in America, which would um, you know get you far enough away from? You don't want to be on the coast um, because the, you know those are two. So, so I, I said it in Arizona. Mm, good choice. And there's things you can do in Arizona, like but people haven't actually done. Like, I mean, there's 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 mountains in Arizona that mm. look a bit like Germany, and I can't imagine why you couldn't produce decent wine in Arizona. Right. And 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 you know that it's not like it's built up, and obviously you need to buy desert because um, whatever they're they're doing, their their nuclear, they're not the nuclear, the um, launches into space. Hmm. I mean, you need space and wide open space for that because you've got to figure there's going to be failures. You can't be doing that downtown. If you were to introduce this to someone, you know, knows you as a physician but not as an author, how would you describe your book? Well, it's, it, you see, this is a real problem. And the, there's two people have written about it. There's uh, Douglas Murray, the, the English guy, and Mark Stein, who's hmm. a Canadian now based in the U.S., who, yes. who does a lot of work for, for Rush Limbaugh. And but those are serious books, and not many people read serious books. Right. But the the basic thing, I mean, what they're saying and what what I'm saying are basically the same. But I wrote it for a different audience, in the sense that the, the action audience or love, you know, Harlequin romance audience, isn't going to read Mark Stein and isn't going to read Douglas Murray. True. But the concepts are the same. Hmm, fascinating. It is a love story by 
your description correct? I mean, that's really yeah. the under underpinning of uh, of the storyline that you have created. Were there any challenges you weren't anticipating that had to be overcome? Uh, obviously, from a scientific standpoint and a uh, as a physician, you have a handle on a lot of articles and a lot of uh, cities and places that are mentioned in the the novel. Uh, was there anything else that was a challenge to you? I don't think so. Well, I, I mean, there's always challenges in in the sense that the, the biggest challenge was staying politically correct mm. because there's a really big chance you could overstep and say something which would be um, very inappropriate. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I do some other writing with, with a lady, and uh, she keeps telling me, you can't say that, you have to change this. <laughs> So, you know, and I, I, I listen to it. <laughs> a good thought. A good thought. <laughs> yes, because she's she's right. So, uh-huh. so that was probably the biggest challenge was to, you know, when you you write it once and then you come back and you say I can't say that. I mean, so you've got to take that out or or rephrase it somehow. Uh, yes. I mean, see, when you're dealing with terrorism, I mean, everybody knows everything about it, but there's an awful lot you can't say about it. Uh, true. Very, very true. The The title of the book, To Slip the Surly Bonds of Earth, is a look back at maybe a poem or something that has been That's written right. before, correct? That's right. That's right. It was a Canadian guy who wrote a pilot who wrote it in the First World War, mm. and and he, he was killed shortly after he wrote it. Amazing. The title of this book, again, is I, to... Sl- I, I, yes. Actually, you know, it was quoted by Ronald Reagan when the, the Challenger disaster. That's true, it was. I remember that. Uh, I admit that I'm that old. And uh, yeah. <laughs> aging every single day when I wake up, I, I look in the mirror and I, I recognize my dad or my grandfather, you know, people I never knew. It's amazing what happens when you get a little older. The, the great title, though, To Slip the Surly Bonds of Earth and the subtitle about the breaking of the day, book one. You've already mentioned there are others that have been, are they published yet or are they just completed? Yes, yes the, the second one's published. Well, fantastic. Um, and the, the third one is, is completed. I'm just finally, you know, putting a few final touches on it and polishing it before sending that off to the publisher. Well, I appreciate your sharing time and sharing the background story on this book, the, To Slip the Surly Bonds of Earth, about the breaking of the day. My guest author, Dr. Hugh Cameron. Dr. Cameron, where can my listeners get a copy of this? Well, they can get it from the publisher, or if they just want to Google uh, and the the title of the book it comes up, or uh, I've got a website that they can go to, which is www.hughcameron.com. Sorry, it's www.drcameron.com. Dr. Cameron. Uh, no, no capitals. All right, and uh, the book again is under your name. I was going to say your maiden name, <laughs> your name without the doctor in front of it, Hugh Cameron. Thank you, sir, for sharing your story today, and best of luck. Look forward to visiting with you in the future, and uh, hopefully this will be a runaway for you, and who knows, maybe it'll be made into a movie. Never know. Thank you very much. My pleasure. For Ex Libris On Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Only once every few years does a show come along that makes you think, makes you care, makes you believe the impossible. A show featuring only the best in writing, acting, and directing. 
Until that show comes along, we suggest Paranoria, Texas. Thrilled to the adventures of six super-powered nerds on a never-ending quest to take over the world and to complete their collection of She-Hulk comics. Paranoria, Texas, Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central on AstronetRadio.com. Welcome back to Ex Libris. Greetings for Ex Libris on air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is, t- is titled Lil B. By Sting's Bully. And the oh, joining me is the author who joins me from near, I think it's Philadelphia or Baltimore. I, I mean, she'll explain all that to us. And the author, Teresa oh. Shields. Where are you located, please? Baltimore, Maryland. Baltimore, Maryland. Excellent. And your book is uh, very colorful. Explain to me what the book is about and how it got to be written. Well, how it got to be written is really strange. I was laying in the bed, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, something said, get up and write about this cartoon character. And I said to myself, but I'm not a writer. And something said, get up. So I guess it was the spirit. I got up, started writing. And um, something say write about a character that um, you know um, can defend this, the kids that cannot defend themselves against the bullies. She would be one of those characters that can you know help the kids um, out that be picked on at school. Very good. Um, now, yeah. the, there, there, are so, a lot, there are a lot of movies and storylines out there about superheroes, and you obviously, looking around your environment or maybe your neighbor's friends, or was it a personal experience, perhaps, that had you concerned about Yeah, because, about you that? know, a lot of kids be bullied on, you know, um, in school or, you know, adult be bullied on. So that's why I was like, well, you know what, this would be a good story to write about a character that something like Superman. She changed, and she's a superhero, and she can help the kids that being picked on school, at school. Um, that was the character it's all about. The, you know, she changed from Little Bee-Bye to Super Honey Girl. Uh, the the uh, idea on the back of the book is that she is an ordinary little girl, which, again, empowers the reader and the children who uh, who will access this book. I think that was a great idea to do that. Uh, was it difficult for you to come up with a storyline, or how did it come about from, from your uh, creative side? You know, I really don't know how it came about. I just know that I don't know whether it was a spirit or what that came to me and said, just, you know, just write about this little character. And then I could just visualize her in my mind, how she's supposed to look. And that's how it just came about. And I started from the seventh, um, from the um, elementary school all the way up to high school, because this is where it starts from elementary school all the way up to high school and above that. So... This is why I created this little cartoon character, which she can help everybody who's being, been, being, you know, that are being put up. I'm so nervous. Oh, you should that be nervous. That's yeah. picked on, you know, <laughs> in school or anywhere. Yes. I think a very important subject material for sure. Um, what is your... 
your background. Have you been in any kind of instruction uh, career, or are, are you uh, from uh, maybe seeing this from a mom standpoint? How would you describe uh, your perspective on this? Well, I, I have seen it, you know, in school or just in the neighborhood, and um, you know, that's where I've seen all the bullying. You know, I see it day day to day, every day. Uh-huh. You mainly see this problem and you you've managed to put 32 pages together the story itself uh, did it take a long time to write or was it again like you've described it you get up in the middle of the night and by morning's daybreak there was a story to be to to be you know maybe straightened out here and there but it was pretty much done yes and i put it on the side for about a year Ah. before i decided to have the book published something said just go ahead on and you know, get the book published, and that's what I did. Your, car- your cartoon character, was that something you sketched, or did you have an artist that, that took your ideas? And no, if- the illustrator from Exhibit um, Beavers had, um, you know, did the illustration. Yes. But I-, I described how I wanted her to look, and so it was like he just took my idea and just put it together just the way I wanted her to look. She's a very engaging-looking young lady, and as you've described it, the book starts off in maybe preschool or kindergarten and goes all the way to uh, to older children, correct? Exactly, correct. Sure, and what besides the bullying theme, uh, was there a, another side issue or side idea that came out? I know that you have mentioned uh, in describing Little Bee that she was mm-hmm. one who stings them with something good. What is the good that she stings them with? Honey. <laughs> she stings honey in their heart <laughs> to the bad kids, and then they turn out to be nice, lovable kids. Beautiful. So I made it a spiritual thing, too, because if you notice it's in the book, you see where, you know, um, the girls, the two sisters, they never like going to church, but then after a little bee-bye has stung them in their heart, they love to go to church. Ah. So they attend church every Sunday. <laughs> a, a subliminal mm-hmm. but so uh, important like message. A, yeah. It's a spiritual thing, too, going on. Absolutely. Have you had an opportunity to share the story with uh, friends, relatives, maybe in a group setting? Have, have children responded to it yet, or is it just fresh off the press? Yes, a lot of kids had respond to um, the book. They love it. They love the character. Um, they love her outfit when she turns to Super Honey Girl. They love that. Yeah. They love everything about her. How long did it take to get the illustrations to match the story and get ready for press? Um, let me see. The book went out in March. It wasn't that long. It was like a couple months, maybe about two months, I would say. Very good. About two months. Uh, is this your first book that you've completed? Yes, this is my first book I completed. And any challenges yeah. that you weren't anticipating besides the obvious stuff of trying to find a, a, a publisher and all of those, was there any other obstacle that you had to overcome in order to get this into print? No, no. So it was a very, a fa- fairly smooth process for you then? Yeah, very smooth. Excellent. Very and- smooth. The, the publishing company did a wonderful job. I mean... Everybody there is—they just work good as a team. Um, I'm very 
satisfied, very pleased, very, very pleased. Well, you've described the characters in the book as superhero. That's, of course, the obvious one. And then obviously beyond that would be caring and courageous. Those are very important skill sets to instill in young readers. Is this a book that you think children will read on their own? Does a grandparent or a parent need to be involved? How would you, what's the best way to describe it? I think it would be a book that you can read on your own or, you know, or your grandparent could be reading it, can read to you or anyone. Anyone can really relate to this book. It's not even, it's a a children's book, but everybody can just relate to it. Anyone can relate to it. Little Bee-Bye, how did that name come Mm -hmm. together for you? First, I had it little, I had it separate. And um, it was little B and then by. And then something said, mm-mm, put it together, put uh-huh. the whole name together. And that's how I came up with little B by. Very distinctive for sure. I don't think there's another <laughs> character character in the marketplace that uh, quite looks like this. Is there is there anybody or anything that you think is uh, very close to this, or is this unique on its own? This is unique on its own. Yeah. Because after I put it together, I said, oh, little Bebop, little Bebop, that rings a bell. You know, it sounds good. It sounds like a cartoon character's name. So that's why I said I just want to put it, put the whole name together, little Bebop. And, the, and then I thought about um, Kanye West and um, Kim Kardashian. Yep, right. And I was like, you know, they got Northwest or Southwest or whatever. <laughs> I said, well, she could be little Bebop, something different, unique. It is unique, and the sting. It's the subtitle, or or part of the the, the uh, title is Sting's Bully. Is Bully an individual, or is it a uh, uh, maybe a, an atmosphere surrounding kids in general? Kids in general, or atmosphere. It could be the both, really. Beautiful. The book is colorful for sure, and it's a, a relatively mm-hmm. short read. Again, directed towards children primarily. It's thirty-two pages in length, so grandparents, parents, uh, people who want to find something interesting. And I will mention this: the little little character in here has a wonderful look on her, and uh, it would appeal to maybe certain uh, kids in culture. It has a, a, a wonderful look. 32 pages, and children and adults will enjoy this because, again, not only is the story important and critical in our culture, but also right. it is inspirational because there's a subtle message of inspiration underneath the storyline that will encourage kids to get in the good atmosphere and uh, retain and uh, seek out good friends and improve their lives by doing so. The title of the book, again, is Lil Bebe, L-I-L-B-E-E-B-Y-E, Sting's Bully. And my, B-Y-E, hmm Yes, and uh, the um, uh, author, Teresa Shields, has joined me from near Baltimore. Uh, Teresa, where do we get copies of your book? Walmart, Barnes & Nova. Um, I have my own website now, and it's... Um, LittleBeeBuy.com. LittleBeeBuy.com. Excellent. And is there another book in the works, or is this, uh, you know, just the, the first in, in uh, your attempt to, to get attention, and then we'll see what goes on from there? Yeah, I think uh, a couple more books. Fabulous. 
Well, congratulations on completing yeah. this. Being an author for children is an important avocation and uh, maybe even a vocation. So best of luck with that. Hope to hear from you in the future and share more stories, maybe about Little Bebi or someone else that you create. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your story. Oh, you're welcome, Jay. Well, it great. was nice talking to you. It was great visiting with you as well. For Ex Libris On Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. <laughs> 